Open your eyes. Wake up, Link. I'm Luke Summerhays. I'm James J. Miles. And I'm James the Jaster Stewart. And you're listening to Hyrule Field Report. Jas, what did we do last week? And last week we made it out of from beneath the Hyrule Castle and dove our way down onto the Great Sky Island. This week's edition of the report, we're going to be exploring the Great Sky Island and we'll see how far we get through on this episode. Mmm, it's pretty big. It's uh it's a hefty size. Um I did wonder, like compared to the size of the Great Plateau, what the actual comparison would be. Mm. It feels about equivalent. I Maybe think slightly if bigger. You were to go... Yeah, I'm wondering, if you were to go pure square footage, I wouldn't be surprised if the plateau's bigger. Mm. But you kind of have to do it in a big loop on the Great Sky Island. Mm. So it feels like one long walk, whereas the plateau, you're yeah, back and, and forth like, to those four Sky Island's obviously got caves and stuff like that as well. Like, yeah, that's kind true, of that's The plateau's kind of, it's more just kind of open-ended. There's not much to really explore. Hmm. Well, to start with, I think we left off last time. We were just heading to the Temple of Time. Uh, we get quite unlike anything we've ever seen called a Temple of Time before in a Zelda game. I think that's fair to say. Yeah, um, we kind of said last time it was this kind of strange and monolith. I think I said it was like an inverted pyramid, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. which I, I went back and looked at it and it, it definitely is <laughs> like an inverted <laughs> pyramid. Um, it's a very strange temple of time. Uh, certainly not like like you said, nothing we've seen before in Zelda, but very cool. This is where you get like recall as well, right? For the first time, well, remember? That, not, right? yet. not yet, not yet. <laughs> yeah, so you go in there. There's a door you can't open. Mm-hmm. Um, in a very, I think this is actually a, like a, a kind of a deft bit of storytelling. You try to push the door open and it does the Master Sword draining your hearts thing. Yeah, test of strength. Yeah, so it's it's like the game telling you like Link has lost his strength. Yep. He's uh, been sapped by uh, by his clash with the eerie mummy below, uh, mm. below Hyrule Castle. Who could that be? <laughs> but yes... Uh, <laughs> He's uh, like he said, it's 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 a nice bit of storytelling. He's he's so weathered that he doesn't have the vitality to even push open this this heavy door in a sense. So yeah, mm. it's uh, it's cool. I dig it. But then we can speak. To... Is this the first time we can actually speak to Rauru's spirit? The first I time you see the... him, I think. Yeah. First time we see him, you hear him when you first awaken. Right, um... that's it. We hear him as just a voice. Yes. Um, and when you first heard him, I thought like he was going to be speaking to us for the whole journey, like through the arm. 
kind of like yeah, uh, like the hat in Minish Cadet. I've got my Duck Temple of Time doors mixed up the, between the in, entrance uh, and exit. Ah, uh, there we go. <laughs> That's why I was confused. Um, but yeah, it kind of like um, is Ezlo is is that what is that the guy from Minish Cadet? Yeah, that was the hat. Yeah, and uh, or, or Fee obviously or, or Mid Midna Navi. Like the, but there's been a long history of companion characters in Zelda, right? Um, mm. And yeah, I thought we'd have a talking glowing arm for the whole journey, but no. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, this is the first time we actually see what he looks like. But it just like Link, anytime that. he talks, Link like loses control of the arm and it does the hand puppet for a mouth. Starts talking <laughs> that to would you. Be great. <laughs> like South Park style. Oh, I wish. I wish. What's 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 worse, having the ghost of an old king in your arm, or your own dead wife be your arm? <laughs> what's the second reference? That's the uh, that Bionic Commando remake. Oh, Jesus! <laughs> the big twist, I think, was that your uh, your wife was your arm. I don't know. I think maybe having the younger brother of your mortal enemy as your arm that might be a bad one. Bad one as well. Yep. <laughs> um, but yeah, like Rauru's design, we actually get a chance to properly see him for the first time here. Um, we see, obviously, he's very similar to the the zonai constructs um he's a big big goat man um yeah it's a really cool creature mm. uh, i don't know i don't know anything about later in the game so it spoiled anything for me mm-hmm. so far he's the only zonai i've actually seen right okay so i don't actually know that they all look like that but i'm assuming that's just what his species looks like did you uh did you clock what was um like above his eyes oh no but i've seen a memory that lets me know later okay okay so yeah he's he's he's, he has like uh, basically what looks like at this stage like almost like a just a sheikah emblem above his eyes Mm. um and I, i was thinking okay maybe this is where the sheikah derived their their logo from essentially is from from Rauru and from the Zonai, mm-hmm. uh, which yep. would make a lot of sense. Um, not, not just a little side point as well. Um, did you recognise Rauru's voice actor at all, Luke? Oh, no, I didn't, actually. What's he done? He's uh, Dimitri from Fire Emblem uh, Three Houses. Oh, okay. Yeah, so... But, yeah, just having a, a clock, I was like, I recognise that voice, and I had to look it up and clocked who it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mercer, is that, or...? No, uh, Matt Mercer plays else. another character sure. that we'll speak about, I'm sure, later. Yes. I just heard that name somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, this guy's called Chris Hackney. Um, I don't know if he's done much... But, uh, well, I don't, I've not hired him out on anything else other than this and uh, Fire Emblem, but he's uh, he plays a good role. I like him, I like him as Rowdy. Has that kind of dignified, yeah, yeah, yeah. polite sort of air about, mm-hmm. about him. Very regal. Yeah, yeah, it... A very different kind of regal to the king from the first game. Yeah. You have that sort of booming, self-important voice, whereas this is more like a kind, gentle kind of leader. Mm-hmm. But yes, Rauru says, yeah, you need to get into the Temple of Time. I think he tells you... No, so the constructor told you to meet Zelda in there, right? Yes, that's right, yeah. Because you get given the pure pad from, from the construct and says, Princess Zelda's up in the Temple of Time, got a chat. And then uh, Rauru's like, oh, you can't actually open the door. Let's, uh, 
will have to recover your energy as these made places that were filled with sacred energy, um, yep. which are the shrines. And then the camera, the camera twists a little bit, and as he's saying that, you see a shrine behind him. You're like, okay, I know how this works. <laughs> yes. And this is the moment where you realise the Great Sky Island is not going to be the same as the Great Plateau. Because yeah. he says that, the camera shows you that one shrine, yeah. and immediately I swung the camera around until I found another shrine. And I thought, right, I'm going to that one. And I just physically could not. Is, so there was, was no the... way to climb up to the snowy... Was it the snowy one? Yeah. So yeah. I before I even went to the Temple of Time... Um, I actually went off exploring, and right. um, and uh, I I got like I found some uh, spicy peppers and I found a, a mm-hmm. cook pot. Yep, yeah, yeah, I did the same thing. And you know, made myself a, a heat meal just to kind of begin climbing, and uh, got fairly high up. But eventually, I got to a point where, I mean, now. Knowing what I know about the game's functions, I may have been able to do it, but actually, maybe not because they would have had required. Anyway, I got pretty high up. I got to like a waterfall fairly close to the shrine at the top, but I just yeah, I think the some of the the um, climbing structures because they're cold and icy, they're slippy. So yeah, they're covered in ice, so you can't climb up them. That's it, and uh, that kind of put an end to my. My little exploring says I don't think the shrine was even active by this point when I when I went exploring. No. <laughs> um, I just thought oh, I'm going to go off and and have a have a little walk. But yeah, as a as a tutorial area compared to the Great Plateau, um, it's not as freeform maybe as it as the Great Plateau is. Well, I think that makes sense because what it needs to teach you is a bit more complicated. Yeah. I think the uh, powers, which we'll go into in a bit more detail. I think as well, like they try to like kind of tie it in because if you look at the map, like it's now like obviously the whole tiers of the kingdom thing. You've you've seen the like logo, like it's kind of like a, a tier, but it's a, like a in the shape of a, like a nine, mm. and that's what like the order you do the shrines in follows that same shape. So it's like a I mean, we'll talk about that, that shape was, in a yeah. bit when we see one because they're pretty significant. But yeah, um, trying to brute force your way. I mean, there probably people will will have done it. Um, yeah, but spent like crazy six things to things ten hours doing it, trying <laughs> to figure out how to do it. Yeah, but uh, the, the the I suppose quote unquote intended way, and the way that the majority of people will have done is they will have uh, taken a little walk to that shrine that was pointed out ever so helpfully by Rowdy, just very close to the Temple of Time, um, which is called the Uko Shrine. I think you could argue that what this game needs to teach you and what Breath of the Wild needed to teach you were different. Because Breath of the Wild, part of the point of the plateau was to teach you how much freedom you're going to have in this game. Yeah, that's a point, yeah. You can do it in any order and that there's multiple different ways to solve every problem and so on. Whereas I think they're assuming you know that coming into Tears of the Kingdom. Mm -hmm. So they're they're like, they're a little more laser focused on teaching you the, the new mechanics. And the new powers, as we'll go through the the cast, they are a bit more um, a bit a bit more fiddly to get to grips with than the powers yes. I think in Breath of the Wild. So we arrive at Uko Shrine, and the challenge is called the ability to create. Yes, 
Um, like before we go into the actual shrine itself, like what were your guys' takes on the actual design and the I suppose the, the lore behind the shrines in in this game compared to Breath of the Wild? I um, I'll tell you what. Design wise, the main thing is I really love the visual effect when you're looking through the door. And they're like TARDIS style, bigger on the inside. Mm-hmm. That is cool. I like as well like, the fact that like just just in general, like from a distance, they're like way more visible, like because of the big glowing spiral colors, yes. like the green mm. and blue. Like it's just, I think they're like, a lot easier to spot like from a distance. And uh, I think what's cool as well is he's, like Raoul we spoke about these shrines being. Um, you know, places he filled with sacred energy designed to um to keep evil under control. And if you remember that kind of spiral that you were on about there, Jas, mm-hmm. do you remember where we where we saw that? That was very what was holding um the mummy down right at the very start of the game, yeah. Yes, exactly. Very so, same visual effect. Yes, what that's, that's what Zelda grabs as well, like when she falls to her doom. Mm-hmm. So we we see that kind of spiral above the shrines as well and uh, yeah i like the idea that they're like pocket dimensions almost the 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 shika shrines from breath of the wild obviously were little little, little underground vaults basically yeah, you've like got the, the elevator thing. yeah but these um no such constraints these are these are big old uh tardises basically like you said <laughs> um i'm i'm with you and all of that is cool in terms of like law, my brain couldn't see it as anything other than here's an excuse to have shrines again. I mean, I guess fairly yeah. or unfairly, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I can't disagree <laughs> with that. Like it's cool, and I'm into it, but deep down, I was just like, right, okay, sure. That you've you've stored some light, have you? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, so we get the the ability to create is the name of the challenge, like you said, then the Uko Shrine, and we get given Ultra Hand. Yes, we talked about this back in the first episode. I think Ultra Hand being a little reference to very, very, very old Nintendo. Hmm. Um. Literally a, a physical toy they made before they made games. Um, and we also talked in the first episode about how I skipped through the instructions too quickly <laughs> and didn't know half the buttons. <laughs> how uh, how are you finding Ultra Hand now that you know how to use it? <laughs> well, we'll talk about it a little bit later, actually, because obviously I went and revisited the Great Sky Island to prep for this episode, mm. um, and the bit where I had to, like, cross a river. I did it in, like, seconds. Like, yeah. literal seconds. And what had taken me, like, an hour last time. <laughs> it's just like, bam, 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 slap together, go. So, yeah, I mean... And I'm sure by the time I've played 130 hours, like you have... Hey, let's... Whoa, let's... <laughs> Come on, man. Let's, let's be cool. Like I'm, sure, I'm sure you're smashing stuff together like a pro Fortnite player at this point. <laughs> I mean, Jay always crank, cranking the nineties. Yeah. Right? <laughs> you're down, more down with the kids than, than I am, clearly, just. 
Um, I thought cranky in the 90s meant like dancing to Eiffel 65. <laughs> that works as well, yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what they say for like building mechanics in Fortnite. That's what I've heard. Anyway. I've never played the game. Hmm. There is definitely a bit of a learning curve though with Ultra Hand. Um, and it is the, the most fiddly of the powers to, to get to grips with, I think. Um, but the tools it affords you once you do you know, master that ability and begin thinking about ways you can glue stuff together um, is, yeah, the, 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 the scope for what you can do with it is just insane. Absolutely insane. Yeah, it's something else. Um, now, um, there was a, um, uh, an interview with um, Aonuma fairly recently, I think done by the Washington Post, I want to say. And he spoke about how when they were kind of designing the Ultra Hand ability, um, a big part of it came from, he's got a background as uh, in carpentry. Mm. and I, I think I did know that, actually, yeah. Yeah. And one thing he was saying um, in an interview is when um, when they were designing the Ultra Hand ability, that they the other members of the design team were talking about how the you know you get the kind of green turquoisey glue that shows you where items are joined together. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, he was uh, he was very much um... oh he's still here. Yeah. I, I, heard, I heard a noise, I don't know what that was. Yeah, it sounded like someone leaving or joining, but everyone seems to be here. Yeah. Okay. Oh, oops. Craig, apparently. Weird. Oh. Um, okay, cut that. <laughs> yeah, 1725. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, he was talking about how the other members of the design team, they, they wanted that turquoise um glue to show quite easily to players where items are conjoined together. Um, it just made for a more kind of readable and easier to use power because otherwise it's can be quite you, know, you wouldn't really know where to where to where things were mm-hmm. joining and it'd be difficult to put things together. Having that piece of information on the screen was really important to the design of the power itself. Awanuma really had to kind of swallow <laughs> a bit of carpenter's pride, and he was initially had to be convinced that this glue effect was good because he mentioned you know when you're uh, you know, but in his background is carpentry. That sort of like seeing glue like ooze it out of yeah. Seeing joints the joints it. means it's not it's, it's not built properly. It's not been done it's, well. Yeah, it's not been done well. It looks messy. We normally like wipe the glue away, the excess glue, things like that. And uh, I, I, I do get his point because I do look at the things I've made and think, oh, it looks a bit messy and gross because you can see the the overflowing mm-hmm. glue and blue tack. I think when you start build, when you start like building bigger creations, though, I think it just adds to the charm to see all this, all yeah. this stuff connected together, and you still see like the glue. Like, yeah, I, I, yeah, think, I think the power would not have worked without that glue effect. Um, yeah, well, they also the have like that other little effect, right? It's like a small like yellow dot that shows you the anchor point of where you're actually connecting when you're mm-hmm. when you're joining it. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. When you're joining it, yeah. Uh, that's particularly. Um, I don't know how much Aonuma's sort of carpentry training is that traditional, but Japan has a lot of wooden structures. I think um, like most of the largest wooden structures on earth are in Japan. And historical Japanese architecture doesn't even involve nails. Um, they have these 
big elaborate wooden temples just built by pieces that cleverly slot together. Oh, okay. Um, so then it, it, it it's all about this very pure aesthetic where you can't see how mm. anything's joined. So what you're saying is all the buildings in Japan you can play a big massive game of Jenga. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 but like a, a really complicated sort of Zack and Wiki version of Jenga. <laughs> Yeah. What a reference, well, yeah, man. <laughs> that's because yeah, they do have to play a game of Jenga every few years because it either gets destroyed in an earthquake or burns down. Mm. Yeah. Um, but f- fortunately, the, the the shrine isn't as um doesn't ask you to make anything as convoluted as as we might have been suggesting. You don't have to create any Japanese architecture here. You don't, um, you don't have to build Metal Gear Rex. You have, no. to, <laughs> you have to build build the shrine itself. Fortunately, <laughs> the uh, the game, I think the first couple of obstacles is just moving a bridge to moving a stone slab to make a bridge, mm-hmm. gluing a couple of stone slabs together to make a longer bridge, and then starting to get you thinking a little bit outside the box, it's then got a... Um, a hook on a rail, um, mm. which you can attach a stone slab to and then ride the rail down to the end of the shrine. So it's a very gentle introduction, um, but uh, one that's, I think it's necessary to <laughs> not throw you in at the deep end to ask you to do some of the more complicated uh, constructs that the game will ask you later on. Well, we touched on this already, but the big difference here with the Great Plateau is you get out of this shrine the game is nowhere near done teaching you how to use this power. No, that's it. Um, like you, you when you when you're going through to the next shrine, there are more um, obstacles you'll have to do. Um, I don't know if you want to jump onto that right away or. Oh yeah, I mean, I think we we're could... done. We're done with the shrine, right? Yeah, the last thing I wanted to point about the shrine um, is the actual statue at the end. Mm. So, so before in Breath of the Wild, you had like a withered. A withered old Sheikah mummy, basically, giving yes. you a, a, an orb. Um, this time, your blessing of light, as it's known, uh, comes from a statue of Azonai, which you're kind of presuming is probably Rauru, mm-hmm. and uh, Hylian, what seems to be a Hylian woman standing next to him. Hmm. See, it is. It obviously is going to tie into the story in a big way. Uh, but I did find it really cool in the um, in Breath of the Wild how you had... So those guys you would find in the shrines, mm-hmm. those were basically dudes who mummified themselves. Um, which is a big a thing that used to happen in like Japanese Buddhism. If there was mm-hmm. like uh, a terrible famine was like striking the town or something, then like the way the the like ultimate move a priest could do was they would make themselves in a cube yeah. and self self mummify. So every Which single is... one of those Sheikah like priests had yeah sealed themselves in a cube and starved themselves to death to like seal their power away for you or whatever. Presumably during a calamity or some sort, right? Yeah, well, yeah, to prepare the hero to prepare like for the hero in the next calamity. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so that was the other point I wanted to mention about the shrine, um, was the statue. Yeah. Uh, car- well, one of them is clearly Rauru. Yes. Or at least yeah, clearly Azonai, I guess. You couldn't 
maybe you couldn't necessarily say it is Rauru at this point. So you uh, probably yes, he's... think it was. You right? can assume. It's easy to assume because it's the, that's the first zona you see, right? Is Rauru. So. And he mentioned he created the shrines as well, right? So Yeah, and still the power in there. And then next to him is a Hylian woman, who I'm mm. sure we will learn more about later on. Mm. So moving forward, um, you kind of mentioned that there, Luke, that the whilst we've now got Alderhand and we've done what would have not you'd expected to be the tutorial shrine. The tutorial for Alderhand isn't really over because to get to the next shrine, um, you have to continue using Alderhand and begin thinking about you know more and more ways you can apply that power uh, to get over to um, our next shrine. Um, so I think the first big obstacle, if I remember rightly, is there's a raft. But we yeah, have to uh, do well, a before... bit of travelling to get to the, the river first. But you can see there's going to be a so, big body of water for us to cross. Right outside the shrine is... So I guess this is optional. Um, but there's another example of the zip line we made in the shrine. Uh, with the hook and like a metal rail, um, where we can do our first pair of Koroks. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, now, what was. <laughs> so I. But my first Korok was not. Or not these two. Um, I mentioned earlier about how I went on a big journey up the Snowy Mountain trying to find my way up. And I actually found um, a Korok, I think, hiding under a rock on my way up that mountain. And. I had a visceral reaction when I first saw them of going, no, not again, <laughs> no. I mean, I know why I, I know why they're back. It's a very easily sort of like fun, collectible, collectible yeah. little things you can do. But uh, it was a little oh, bit Oh man, dread. my reaction was very different. So the first one I found was, um, it was one of the ones where it's like a flower and you chase it and it pops somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Keep chasing it until the cork pops out. And I was like, yay, they're back. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> ha, up, they're like, back. The, the ones like were like the ones you meet by the zip line. Like those were the first ones I saw. Nah, yeah, I think they're designed to be. Because that's also like the first ones. There's something different from Breath of the Wild. Yes. Um, I love these little guys. <laughs> like the little, I just seen them with his little backpack and he's just like, I want to want to go get to my friend like, oh, please help it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's always fun bringing up like coming up with like creative ways to kind of get them to their destination like right strap you to this little rocket device that i've made and shoot you across <laughs> this river no no <laughs> poor little guy <laughs> oh, on a glider <laughs> he's safe oh he's safe okay sure sure <laughs> well, like the other heathens that you see online like Crucifying them. Yeah, man, there's some <laughs> real sick bastards out there. That are just no, like... I will say, see the Koroks that you find like under rocks. I'll always drop the rock on always. my head just to hear the usually, I usually do it by accident, but then <laughs> sometimes I'll just yeah, I'll let the intro. Always do it. It's just funny. Just, they just go. <laughs> <laughs> the little noise is brilliant. But um, yeah, um, these little backpack fellas. Um, this is going to be a recurring Korok um, quest, I suppose you could say, that you'll find throughout the journey. 
where uh, you'll find the tired little core up with a backpack, and then he'll show you off in the distance a plume of smoke where he, his little where his friend is camping out, and you've got to go in and get him over there. And uh, the first one, like you said, looks kind of a a, a, a repeat of sort of the uh, hook puzzle from the shrine. Yeah, I just straight up like copied the what I done in the shrine. Simple platform like hook on top of that, and then just like send them across. So I jumped on it with him, obviously, make sure he got there safely. Yeah, I went. I went across <laughs> with him too. <laughs> I th- I actually didn't do this Korok until. Um, yesterday when I was revisiting the area for this podcast because, as mentioned, I couldn't figure out the buttons and it was a pain in the butt. <laughs> <laughs> like, how do I rotate this hook? <laughs> Impossible. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I was just dropping the hook on the um, on the, the rail. rail until it yeah. like hung and then lifting the wood up to join the hook. <laughs> <laughs> But these are these are really fun, um, and some of them genuinely have been that close. Like later in the journey, where I have literally just picked the core up up with Ultra Hand and just walked him over yeah. <laughs> to, to his buddy. Um, but some of them, they're like obviously over a canyon or maybe across a river, and you've got to think a bit uh, outside the box about how you're going to get a little core up fella to his yeah, destination. They get, they get really clever with it, like new elements. Like... Mm. It's not just like, oh, there's these friends that get in the distance, like you might be up the top of a cliff or something like that, and you need to figure out how to propel this little core up, up into the air. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if you if you torture Koroks, I'm judging you. <laughs> I'm judging you. <laughs> I'm just saying I torture them, but I've done, I've done I, the one I was just thinking of there, like to, like to the top of a cliff, like it took me ages to kind of figure out what to do and try to propel up with like a an air balloon, and he did fall off at one point, but <laughs> clearly accidental. <laughs> there was one clip I saw about a guy who was like genuinely trying to help the Korok, um, but the Korok, I, he forgot to glue him to this like uh, vehicle he made, and the Korok <laughs> no, slid, slides away. No, slid off. As it gets worse, slid off, and then um, ended up bouncing down a chasm. <laughs> <laughs> oh. But then I've also seen some pretty funny stuff where people are putting like six currants on a stick and roasting them over a spit. And stuff. <laughs> it's horrible. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh. Especially like in lore, the Koroks are meant to be like the Kakiri, right? Mm. Just burning children. <laughs> I was actually watching a bit, I... of a, a bit of a Twitch stream the other day, and the person was doing what you said, Jay, what you normally just using the Ultra Hand to kind of transport them. But along yeah. the way, he was like, Oh, oops! A daisy, I dropped you, and then he was bouncing it off a cliff, and then hitting recall, oh, no. and then hitting recall, and then hitting recall to bounce it back up, and then catch no. him. Like, oh, sorry about that. <laughs> it was pretty funny. Oh. I got to have a really great moment because my girlfriend, she's a fan of the Koroks because she liked them in Wind Waker, mm-hmm. and like I gave her a little keyring of one or whatever, and then I did a little impression of the yahaha, and she's like, "Oh, I always see people writing yahaha, but I've never heard it." So I pulled up my game and like showed her. Well, I think I pulled up my stream of the my first night on the game and showed her my first Korok, and she listened to the sound like five times in a row. <laughs> <laughs> it is very. Cute. I, 
I always find myself saying it after I find one sometimes. <laughs> like, I always yeah. like, pick up a rock, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is an adorable little sound. I love that's that. always yeah. a disappointment, though, right? When you're like climbing a cliff and then you see a random rock, like there's a cork under that, you lift it and then there's nothing. Like, <laughs> but it's just a rock. Sometimes a rock is just a rock. Yeah. Yeah. So on our way to the second shrine, we've also got a few enemies. Uh, yeah. We fought a couple of constructs on the on the way to the Temple of Time. Mm-hmm. But we've got because we do a fair few and a couple of them in like like groups of two or three. What do we think yeah. of these guys as an enemy to fight? Yeah, I mean, uh, they are a bit like this game's equivalent of the um, not the guardians, obviously, but the uh, <laughs> the the the, the, the guardian. What, what were they called? The many ones, you know, the ones I'm on. The ones group. you would fight in shrines sometimes. In shrines, yeah. The, the, this game's equivalent. Kind of like you could, say, you could easily just call them that, like kind of like many guardians because they do have the same kind of multiple eyeball weakness. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there are some more interesting well there's a more interesting variety which we'll speak about in a bit but the basic soldier constructs they're um, yeah they're fine they're, they're, they're mooks right yeah um, this is a little, a little variety of having those instead of just another type of enemy yeah. yeah 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 there was uh, one uh, little moment though I had when I went up on my snow journey that I've spoken about multiple times already in this cast where mm-hmm. I, uh, I came across this little kind of this little plateau, snowy plate bit. Um and I noticed like there is lots of like like bro- like arrows on the ground. And I was like, what's all this about? And I was picking them up and as I was going around and I was getting closer and closer to like where more and more of the arrows were appearing. And then I got to the edge like of this plateau and suddenly like from this higher cliff face three soldier construct just started to try to shoot me with arrows i'm like oh oh no <laughs> it's like, yes. like, <laughs> like i've fallen into their trap that's exactly what happens um a couple of other returning faces as well that you'll probably run into during your travels here. Um, namely, uh, Choo Choo's. And the Mighty Geese. Yep. Yeah. Classic one hit enemies. Which I suppose at this stage, because you're fighting mostly with twigs and sticks, yeah. but <laughs> you know, you're thankful for that rather than a, you know, a Lionel turning up or something. <laughs> Um, there's one other like piece, of, like there's also one other piece of like wildlife that I noticed um, as I was roaming about. Um, did you guys run into any of the um, grassland ostriches? <laughs> yeah, you yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're so manic. Yeah, once or twice, one just like ran into me and knocked me down. Yeah, <laughs> they're little agents of chaos. I love them. Yeah, there's actually like a little bit yeah. like on the Great Sky Island where like it's another kind of construct, like an NPC construct, teaching you how to hunt. And yeah, it lets you hunt those little birds that you just mentioned. And, and what's really cool is you'll run into these guys for like throughout the, your whole travels across the Great Sky Island. Like, there's different constructs that are still fulfilling objectives and, mm-hmm. and goals, and think you know, obviously, still keeping try to keep the place running. But they also serve as like little mini tutorials as well, like for parts of the game. If you want to engage with them, like there's a woodcutting one, 
hunting one, like you said, Jas. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I like as well is if usually nearby these constructs, you'll usually find Rauru, who's just kind of like watching them. You know, maybe comment a little bit about the the lore of what they're what they're up to, and you know the uh, the fact that he's you know created the constructs to 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 maintain the this island and such. And it very much reminded me of how you had run into the old man a lot at the start of Breath mm. of the Wild and the Great Plateau. Like, very similar vibes. There's one line he said that was really nice, where he said something like, it makes me sad to see that they're still working, even though there's no one left for them to work for. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Like, um, you see Raru, like, kind of, he's always, he's around them, like, he's ghostly figure, and he's kind of moping mm. around about the situation. Yeah, definitely a bit of a melancholy air about him, right? Mm-hmm. Um, whereas the old man, I suppose because you know you don't know at the start he's a spirit, whereas Rauru, it's he is a spirit. The old man just had a bit more of a jolly air about him, <laughs> strangely. Yeah, well, the, the, um, it's, we talked about this last week. With the old man, you didn't know he was a ghost till the yes. end, right? Ex- exactly, yeah, yeah. Whereas Rauru, they make no attempt to hide it. Yes. So yeah, the old man was putting on a little like, oh, I'm just a, I'm just a, a simple country old man in the mountains, and just because he was testing to see if you had your memories. And then you get to the end, and he's like, yeah, by the way, I'm the king of Hyrule. The world's ended. You got some work to do, son. Whereas Rauru from the start is like, oh, hey, buddy, I had to replace your arm. Everything's gone to shit. <laughs> Good luck, I guess. <laughs> And plus, like, yeah, the king of Hyrule, he's been dead for, like, a hundred years. Yes. Rauru's coming back to this island after being dead for, like, millennia. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there is there's a very different kind of melancholy for him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. One thing that, just while we're speaking about, can I just generally wander on about before we get to, you know, path to the next shrine? Um, one thing that we haven't spoken about that is a big part of, I think, of the whole mood and atmosphere as you're going across the Grey Skyland is the alarmingly loud bell noise that triggers mm. as you travel around. Um, like, the first time that happened, I was really spooked. I'm like, what the hell is that? What's going on? <laughs> yeah, the chimes from the Temple of Time. Yeah. And the, um, the constructs talk about, like, that chime is what tells them to, like... Stop and start working or whatever. Yeah, yeah like, sure, I think yeah. Raru mentions that as well somewhere. Also, and you you can actually like see them like the start and end to the day of the cycle or something like that. You can see them move like when the evening bell triggers, they'll move from whatever job they were doing to um like almost little like charging stations, I suppose, like nearby, and kind of go into that dormant state where they're just a little cylinder basically. A little, um, a little bell, really. Like, yeah, um, yeah. But it reminded me of um, Pokemon Bronzong when they turn into that state. But, okay, uh, yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah, just um, like a yeah. little ancient bell. Mm-hmm. But it's cool just seeing the kind of day-night cycle, obviously, actually triggered with the bell and such as well but yeah i had no idea what it was the first time it happened i thought something was triggering like i thought i was like activated a secret tutorial area boss fight or something i was very alarmed yeah i don't think i ever had anything like that i just was 
it just felt like part of the atmosphere for me. Yeah, I just thought it was like uh, maybe like part of the music until I found obviously Raru mention about it. It's the Temple of Time, like mm-hmm. making the noise. Hmm. And then our next step is just a little, um, just a little sailing across a river. <laughs> just slap two logs together, give them a sail. Yep. Easier said than done. Well, if you know how to ro- rotate, it's not too bad, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, when I did it, when I did it yesterday, not, it was a piece of piss. But... It's not the rotating that's the problem, it's that the activating your boat. Because <laughs> sometimes you stick your boat together and then you decimate the thing when you try <laughs> to activate the fan and end up spinning around in a circle like I did. Well, this isn't the fan one yet. We'll get to that a bit later. Oh, this like is I thought the... we were talking about like, sailing across the river, right? No, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. But no, this isn't the fan one. This is just the one where you put a sail on your on your boat. It's like a big, massive body of water you have to go across. It's, it's a, quite a big one. It's not the smaller river. And there's a there's a but there's a strong breeze. So yeah, once you have a sail, it just you goes well. In fact, was a sail. Yesterday like... I had to make. I... I, I think I just straight up like, use the fan, like, unless I'm thinking of a different area. No, yeah, there, there's, a, there's a second river later where you get a fan. You don't have a fan yes. on this one. Right. I don't remember that at all. It's just like that fan, <laughs> my fan boat. It's like, it's like clearly like lodged in my memory. Well, yeah, yeah this, so this one is very easy and forgettable. And it's very close as well if you want to go and revisit to our next shrine, which is... Uh, uh, well, actually, before then, I think there is a cave, actually, that we go to before we get to the shrine, if I remember rightly. Yes, it's a very there's a cave. Small... Very small cave next to the shrine. Although now I'm wondering, did we have to go into the shrine and make a hammer before we could get into the cave? I can't remember. I think that's right. I don't know if the cave happens. Yeah, I the think cave the cave happens is right the next to the It's right next to the shrine. But it's it's covered up with breakable blocks, so I don't think you can get yes. into it until you do the shrine. Yes, which would make sense. So we do move into the shrine then, which is Enisa Shrine. Um, the ability to combine. And in there, we are given our next power, Fuse. Yes. What's our thoughts on Fuse? I'm glad Fuse... I think I said this before... Is not as complex as um, Ultrahand. You literally you just hold down the button and you attach it to one of your weapons. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very useful, but it's not it's not so fiddly. Whereas when I saw early like screenshots and it's like Link with a sword sword, I was worried that I was going to be having to construct weapons the same way we construct everything mm-hmm. else, and that sounded like a pain in the butt. I like that naming convention they go with, though, like when you are just combining like a two spears together with the fuse ability. Yeah. And it's just like, it just calls, straight up calls it a spear spear. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, it's brilliant. And then when you start coming up with like later in the game, when you start coming up with all the like crazy combinations, like it's always fun seeing the eventual name. Well, you both, I think both of you spoke about how when you first got Ultra Hand, you tried to glue yeah, yeah, together yeah, with Ultra Hand. Yeah, yeah, I mentioned that. I think yeah. the first impressions cast, like I was so confused, yeah. I was like, this isn't working. Like, why is it not letting me pick up my weapons? They just break every time. 
because of the I was connecting them together with Ultra Hand, mm. basically like gluing them to the ground. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, so. The way Fuse works is I think when you're using Fuse on weapons, I think it's you know can be funny like just gluing a a big spear to another big spear, get this massive long. <laughs> Super pike. A rusty claymore um, to your shield. Like, yeah. <laughs> this serves no purpose, um, <laughs> but it looks good. But I think for like just speaking solely about your, you know, main main arm weapon, I I think the applications of fuse throughout the game maybe aren't as as interesting as what you can do with um attaching stuff to your shield and certainly what you can do attaching things to arrows. Um, but attaching stuff to weapons mostly is, um, I think, damage, pure damage, damage and and durability as well. Um, uh, Apart from making, like, useful tools. Yes, so this is how you get, like, a hammer or an axe or what have you. Yeah, yeah, so it it does, it does change things up in that way, and it, yeah, it makes the weapon durability thing, it changes up how that dynamic works in a fight mm-hmm. because you're like oh I'm, I'm low on damage but what if i quickly attach this rock to my sword and get a few extra hits in stuff like that so yeah like making tools um when that's the first obstacle you have to get through in the shrine is it'll you know fuse a, a boulder to a stick to destroy a wall um so it does teach you that has been one of the key uses of fuse um but you've also got like later in the game obviously um, you'll be attaching monster parts to your weapons to maybe attach a horn onto a spear and you've then got a more powerful spear or maybe a, an elemental horn to create like a thunder weapon or a fire weapon or what have you. Well, I was pretty um, excited when I realised just sticking a ruby on a sword, you've basically got the magic rod from the mm, previous game. Yes. Yeah. Um so there's there are some definitely some cool some cool weapon fuses, but um, it's things you can do with again maybe not so much the shield, although there are maybe we won't speak about this yet, but there are some certainly interesting things you can attach to shields. Yeah, it's arrows. A couple of things. Um, yeah. Last playthrough. Um, but it's arrows. I think that where it really shines, and the first thing it teaches you is using um, flame fruit, which is a new. Or fire fruit, is that what they're called? Fire fruit, yeah. Fire yep. fruit. Um which is a new item, I believe, in Tears of the Kingdom. And if you attach that to an arrow, you've got a fire arrow. <laughs> right and pure and simple. Easy as that. Um Yeah, it's a game think... changer. The it's, uh, it's one huge. of the complaints I've seen about this game, and I do kind of agree, it puts all of your items on one list. So if you want to get to, like, your flame arrows, you've got to scroll through, like, every apple, every piece of meat, every monster part. It does have a... There is a sort button. There's a sort That's button, why. yeah, but it it, uh, it it would be nice if you could it sorts, take, like, yeah. shorter there, I was, yeah, lists. I said, like, I tweeted, I think I tweeted last night, that I would definitely prefer if they had, like, a, a way to have a custom option. Like a favourite or something. Set yeah. your own favourites, yeah. Yeah. Like, cause most of the time, like, your it goes by fuse attack power... By type, and then by most, most used. used, and the most used one, like you're still need like if you're like really wanting to find like something maybe you've not used a whole lot of, mm-hmm. like you are scrolling through a big old list and it just gets worse. 
the longer yeah. you play. Yeah. I, I think I've not had a huge problem because most uses more or less covered what I would need for the most part. Mm-hmm. But yeah, then you find that odd rare item um, that you're, you're trying to sift through this big old list and it's a bit frustrating. But the, one thing I will say is I can take that over the offset of having to manage you know, four or five different ammo types for arrows. Yeah. Um, the fact you just got one set of arrows and then that's that's all you need to worry about. Then anything else is just stuff you pick up as you go for your journey. Um, and it's a fact that different bits of materials can act as the same purpose. So you can maybe attach like a <clears throat> piece of flame choo-choo jelly or which will also serve as a fire arrow, or you've got the, yeah. the fire fruit. There's different ways around it, and I think that's just really cool. Um, just a good way, like just good utility to use within your like battles and just general kind of mm-hmm. roaming about. And uh, we spoke about the keys earlier on. If you were fortunate enough to find a killer keys and get a keys eyeball, um, mm. you attach that to an arrow. Home and arrow, baby. Don't have to aim. Yep. <laughs> exactly. Few times I, I read that. I haven't actually that. used it yet. Oh, it's so useful for some some enemies. I tell you, it's good for like for like an enemy's like behind a bit of cover or something. You can just mm-hmm. arc it over the wall, and the key side just over the wall and tracks it. Yep. Nice. Flying enemies as well. No bother. Yeah, it's 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 very useful. Certain situations, most of the time, like I don't feel like I need to use it because I play with the default like gyro aim, which is gives you great aiming ability anyway. Yeah, same. And folks, if you're playing along at home for your James Adaster Stewart bingo card, that's a texted gyro aim. <laughs> I love it. It's the best. <laughs> I know, man. Just uh, always amusing. <laughs> The other little thing um, in this dungeon, which may be, well, the shrine, which maybe is a clue that how the game's going to be a bit different to Breath of the Wild, you get a small key. I think those were in, in Breath of the Wild in some, like, maybe only a couple of shrines, but they were there. Okay. I mean, you could be right, but yeah, I really don't remember them. I, it, it was really rare, and that's why I'm like, I think, I, I, I might be misremembering, but I'm sure they were in Breath of the Wild, and I'm sure, like, when it turned up, in a random shine, I was like, what? Small, small key? <laughs> um, definitely an odd one. Yeah. Um, also, the, I suppose, boss of this dungeon, if you want to call it that, is a different type of construct. We have to fight a captain construct to get mm. to the, the statue at the end here. Um, and the captain constructs, um, they... Uh, they have one of our powers as well. They can also use fuse. Yes, they're mostly just seem like bigger, tougher constructs. But then, yeah, they do. They shoot out like a little beam, and they can drag a weapon over to themselves and fuse mm-hmm. it. Or so, yeah, they do have that little little thing going for. I love them. that they've added that to like, and that kind of stretches to like all the enemies in the game that I've like found so far. Is like, I think it would have been a bit lame if you were only your character, like has the ability to fuse items together. Yeah, Who almost knows? every enemy you, has you, a you, weapon you, that's fused. You'd be, yeah, you'd be fighting weaker enemies if, if they never. Like, so it's really clever like that all the enemies within the game also use like fuse abilities or combine things in certain ways. 
And they use they... that to teach you some cool combinations as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the the captain constructs that always get always struggle with, with me when I fight them is the the ones that end up getting like a flame emitter. Um, mm. Oh yeah, don't let them get that. Like if it's close by, like stun them before that happens. Yeah, and they Definitely. just become real menaces. Um, fortunately, this initial one, I think you can get like a spiky ball, which still pretty threatening, but uh, at least it's mm-hmm. uh, not a huge issue. Right. Uh, well, and then that brings us to the end of this shrine, and probably to the end of this week's episode. I think that's a good place to call it, yeah. Um, I think if we go any longer, we're going to have a bumper episode, and uh, why not split up the Sky Islands? I think that's a good idea. On next week's edition of The Report... We're going to be finishing our journeys across the Sky Island as we move towards the next shrine and return to the Temple of Time to hopefully rendezvous with Princess Zelda. So make sure you join us for that. Um, Until then, Luke, um, do your thing. Yeah, if you've enjoyed this podcast, you can find us on Twitter or Facebook at Hyrule Field Pod. Please do pop in, say hello, give us a follow. Um, It just makes us feel good to know that human beings are listening. Like, it's one thing to have a number on the downloads figures, but it's nice if I can, like, put names and faces to it. But also, um, yeah, we're a new podcast, so please rate and review, like and subscribe. Um, Whatever you're using to listen to this, be that Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, just hit, you know, the appropriate like button or review button. Click the highest possible number that you can and help (laughs) us find more listeners. Um, You know, it'll be good. It'll be good for the show that you're listening to. Like, the more people we have listening, the more we might get some user interaction, we might have some discussion about stuff later on in the game, and also the more incentive there is for us to keep doing it. <laughs> Although I th- I've got a feeling we're going to anyway, because I, I need an outlet to talk about this game yes. for a couple hours a week <laughs> for the rest of my life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you there. And if you want to help support the podcast, keep it online. You can head to patreon.com slash podcastiopodcastius. And even if you're not planning on giving us any money, head on over to that link. And there you can find the other podcasts that me and my pals create. There's Luke Loves Pokemon, where I talk about a different Pokemon family every week. Um, there's a hundred odd episodes of Monster Mash, which was me and Jay and Jazz's previous podcast about Monster Hunter. There's The Game Game Show, a game show about games. There's Films and Filth, a podcast where we're talking about the top 100 and bottom 100 films on IMDb. And there's Twilight Zone podcasts and all kinds of other stuff as well. So why not go over there and check it out? And Jas, why don't you leave us this week with a sage word of advice? Sage word of advice. Yaha! <laughs> I like Yaha! it. Well, until then, catch us next time. Bye. Cheerio.